The Barwon Heads Football Club and the Beach House at Barwon Heads are proud to bring you Episode 3 of The Tree on the Wing. In the early days of the Second World War, with the Japanese army sweeping through Southeast Asia and pressing for occupation of New Guinea and the eventual invasion of the Australian mainland, the Allied leadership determined that the safety of the Australian continent was best served by defending the land south of Brisbane. In preparation for what seemed an inevitable battle for the future of the nation, the government began moving women and children from the endangered territory in the north to the defended south. A nine-year-old boy called Stuart Highland from Rockhampton in Queensland was among the thousands who were relocated. He ended up in Barwon Heads, where he spent the majority of the rest of his life. A young Stuart Highland, while still a junior, was one of the first organisers of junior football matches for the young boys of the town. As a senior player, he was a member of both the first senior football premiership and the first A-grade cricket premiership after the war, and he became a life member of both clubs. He lived in a different town to the town we know, he played a different game to the one that we play, and as you'll hear in our chat, he solved his disputes in a different way to we solve ours. He sold TVs and petrol and was an apprentice professional golfer. He married the daughter of the man who was the closest thing that the town had to a mare, and they produced two sons who each represented the town with distinction in both football and cricket, one of whom co-hosts a fabulous podcast. We caught up with Stewie over a beer at his son Russell's home and he told us some terrific stories of the early days of the club and of the town. He clearly loves his footy and he loves the Bowenheads Footy Club and that came across in his chat. We learned a lot about the club and about one of the club's favourite people and we hope you will too. A word of warning, in order to get Stewie, who is 86, comfortable for an hour long chat, we sat him in an office chair. It appears that the chair had a distinct squeak, which wasn't evident to us whilst we were recording. The squeak sounds suspicious in parts of the recording, but rest assured, it is only a chair squeaking. Trust me, there are no two men on the face of the planet that love a fart joke more than Nipper and I, and if there'd been flatulence occurring while we were chatting with Stu, then there would have been proportionate giggling. It is only a chair squeaking. Welcome to the Tree on the Wing, everyone. I'm here with my mate and co-host, Russell Highland, who is uh, has been described in the past as the favourite son of Barwon Heads, but I reckon the bloke we've got with us is probably more of a favourite son. So, g'day, Nip. How are you going? I'm oh, very well, and hello yep. to all the listeners out there. You might like to introduce this fella. Well, he's probably a bloke that I've... I don't think... There's not anybody I've known longer in my life than this bloke. Never actually got to see him play football. Had a few hits in the nets with cricket with him. I did kick the footy with him a little bit. But my father's joined us today, Stewie Highland. He's a life member of the footy club. He spent a lot of time down at the Bowenheads Footy Club. And he's come out to have a chat with us today, provided that we supplied him with beer for the afternoon. So that was pretty easily organised. And it is a very, it is a very nice beer. We don't have a beer sponsor for this, but this is, no, but the, man this is trap, the man trap. The man trap estate is very good. It is pretty good. So, and Stewie even gave it his his stamp of approval earlier on. So, how are you, Stewie? Welcome. Thanks, Ted. And it's this. It's a bloody great thing to come over and 
chinwag with one of the older members of the uh, community. Very good. Are you talking about me? Yeah. Oh, I'm not an old member of the community. Yes, you are. <laughs> Did you ever play in the uh, original under 15s or that? Yeah, I, I played under 15s, or under 13s, I reckon it was, under when 15, I started. Under 14, under 15, yeah, played all my only play. Is that 100 years ago? No, it wasn't 100 years ago. I wasn't. I don't think we had junior footy, so that was something we were going to talk to you about. Maybe you, we should have got Stewie in to host the show. Maybe we could have. He's got a lot He's of questions. questions at <laughs> so, so Stewie, you, you played in, did you play in the first junior team at Bowen Heads? Actually, I, I, I did, and I was one of the organisers of it, and it was only a, a scratch team, Bowen Heads first Ocean Grove, and we just got them off the, te- off the streets, made a couple of teams out of them, and uh, that's where my football started, and been with Bowen Heads since then. Did so after that first game, did you sort of get a team together, obviously, of Bowen Heads and Ocean Grove kids to play in a cro- pro- proper competition? Because uh, there's a lot of Ocean Grove players. No, we, see, we, Bowen Heads had a lot of underage footballers yeah. in that day, oh, yeah. and we cleared a lot to Ocean Grove. Okay. And Ocean Grove started an underage oh, right. team before Bowen Heads. Yeah. So, we, we still had kids running around looking for a kick. Who were some of those blokes that used to play then that we might might have heard about or we might remember? Shit. I've got to remember first. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I honestly... Well, we had the best and fairest winner with the heads, Gerald Treasure. He was a uh, well-built lad and so he... Played centre half forward or in the ruck, and uh, quite a good footballer. Quite a... So when was that? About nineteen forty-seven. I wouldn't have a clue. Something around that. You would have only been a teenager, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'd starting to mature a bit, get getting out of the teenage. And and you, with the footy club was was around before then. Did you have an involvement? Did you used to go and watch them play before you started playing juniors? Go and watch the old blokes, the senior blokes uh, play? Not consistently, Ted. Depends on the day. If it was a nice day, you'd go down and watch the footy. There was a few good footballs. I can't really remember them. I can remember their features and that, but I can't remember their names. In those days, was the footy team any good? Only I know. Only one footy team? Only one team. Yeah. yeah. And who they used to play against? Water Warrior and Freshwater Creek had a team. Yeah. It would have been your Drysdales and your Points Cliffs. Did you play against them? Was it Port Arlington? Yeah. Or was it Geelong team? Wool- Woolworth, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah. of that. I think it was the Woolworth, um, Woolworth Cup. There's an old club that doesn't exist anymore that's just about to spring into my mind. Stonehaven. They had a team, didn't they? Play against them. Out near Batesford. It's on top of the hill. Yeah. Full of rocks. Mm. And, oh, shit. It was a bit of a rugged ground. Mm. 
you never look forward to spending an afternoon out playing footy there. Most of the grounds would have been pretty rugged, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bowenheads was, what was that a pretty good ground? Or? It's always been the sandy ground it is. Yeah. Uh, hasn't, we used to have a big cypress tree on the side of the oval. And the ball would go up the tree, stick in the uh, branches, yeah. and somebody would have to go up after it. <laughs> Is that, was that the tree on the wing? Yeah. 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 That, it's still there. there. It's still there, that tree. It's Is the only it? one that's yeah. still there. All the other trees, there were a lot of trees around the oval. Even when I was a kid, and I can remember yeah. there were a lot, but that's the only one left. Did you used to get changed in the laundry or something like that? Yeah. Down, down in the forward pocket? Yeah, that's that. Part of the camping setup was uh, a laundry for the campers. Yep. And when they weren't using it in the winter, we used to use it as a dressing room. Yep. Did, oh, you any, was... did you have any club rooms as such? or No. Nah. Nah. Just go down and get changed and... Just get changed in them. And... Just... We, we, I can remember vaguely when I first went down and watched the footy, they used to have a, a tent they'd get changed in. Mm. Um, it was an old army tent, and uh, they used to... Uh, Where was that, Stu? Uh, I think it was on the north end of the oval. Near where the tennis courts or the netball courts? Yeah. Somewhere around there, that's probably In the flattest area. the area. Now, oh. we're still talking junior footy, and you progressed to senior footy. Was that a, a thing that you had to strive for, or did they just turn around and say, "Hey, you can play. Turn, can you play Saturday?" Uh, just if you could kick a footy, you're in the team. There you go. <laughs> Good one. Who's who's coach then? Do you remember when you first started playing senior footy? I think a, a Perry. I don't know. Uh, I can't think of his first name, but he was. He had been tied up with. The Melbourne Footy Club, right. and uh, he finished up coaching us for a little while. Now, I think you've told me this story, and I can't think of his name either. But did he not change the club song? Oh yeah, yeah, changed it to "It's a Grand Old Flag." That's right. Yeah. Except not red and blue, white and blue. White and blue. Yeah. Now there's yeah. a isn't there a story about the jumpers? They were blue and white, yeah. Blue and white, blue and blue, blue and white. uh, We used to have maroon with a white stripe. Yeah. And it clashed with too many other uh, clubs. So they decided to buy new jumpers and they bought the uh, blue and white, white seagull, white name and that. Yeah. And... Ollie Bly, she used to do all the washing, wash the jumpers and that, and she washed them this particular week, and the blue had run into the to the white, and it made two blues, and it looked quite quite good. Oh, it still looks good. And you probably wouldn't have had the very good finances in those days to go right. out and get another set. So uh, Ollie Bly, Ollie Bly's. Uh, probably responsible for the club colours. Yep. The famous Ollie Blythe who originally lived at the veranda bar. Yes. 
Yes. For those who are familiar with the veranda bar, that's where Steve Tippy and Ollie live. Yeah, Steve's yeah. Tippy was heavily involved in the footy club, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. President. Right. In his spare job and Tippy would do it. What sort of things did you do after the game? They used to have a, a T-bob raffle after the game. And you put two bob in, get a number, and they draw for two bottles. One you took home and one you drank there. <laughs> bottles of beer. Yeah. Yeah. You had to take. You had to share one. You can only share a bottle of beer with two other blokes, though. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Would have been She's gone. <laughs> Were they cold bottles, Stewie? Oh, we didn't worry much about refrigeration in those. Days. No. <laughs> I've heard that too. Um, so where are we talking in the fifties? Are we early fifties? Oh, I don't know. It's a bloody long time ago. Yeah, it is a long time. So ago. was that before? That would have been before you won the premiership in '57, was it, or around about that time? Yeah, we were building up to be a. A good team. Normie Goddard, uh, Norm Goddard Senior, he coached us. He coached us for about two to three years and made us a team. Before we were a good bunch of footballers, but not a team. And Foxy coached us and then Sonny Malden took over and he got the uh, honour of coaching the first uh, he had, post-war. He added the polish to all the hard work old Normie had done. Yeah. yeah. Was Norm, Normie was a good player, wasn't he? Well, Norm, yeah. wherever, whatever competition he played in, he won the best and fairest in that particular competition. Wow. He was a, it's amazing. a bloody hard working footballer. Not not very fast, but very strong. Yeah. You know, somebody would grab him and just shrug him off. And he was a bigish bloke, wasn't he? He wasn't huge, but he was big enough to yeah. keep. To, he played. Yeah. What position did he play, Stewie? He finished up playing. Uh, oh, when I went in, he uh, he was playing fullback when I went in, and I was lucky enough to get a game, and they. Put me at full work, only because. Oh, I'm bragging here. Don't worry. Oh no, no, you're Don't allowed to brag that. here. That's Don't what it's all about. All me. Uh, I was a, a reasonable kick, and it took uh, kicking a bit to bring the ball back when yeah, you kick when it, you out. it out. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's with how I got the drop kick with the steel cap boots on. You're right. Lobbing them out into the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get the wind right at Barham Heads, it's easy to do, isn't it? it oh, not that I ever did it, but... It... We never knew of the... Well, we knew the torpedo, but we didn't know the uh, drop punt oh, yeah. and things like that. Uh, so we just stuck to what our parents had told us, or we'd watched the seniors, and drop kick was the thing. Yeah. And I think Barassi took that out because he, he had the team handballing a lot. The footy was very, very different in those days when you were playing than what it is now, wasn't it? A very to, different game. Yeah. Well, they've brought a, a few rules in. 
and left a few that should have been eliminated, left a few there. But if you're playing the game, second instinct will tell you if you're right or wrong. Mm. And uh, that's, you know, that's how we played with virtually on instinct. Yeah, get yeah, the ball. You've got, to, you've got to think about it. You're probably taking too long, aren't you? That's right, yeah. You, you get the ball and away you go. seem to have time to be able to bounce the ball and then get away from your opponent. You have a bit of pace about you, did you? Well, I've been told that, yeah. Just took you 15 minutes to walk up the driveway. That's only 10 metres long. That's what uphill, you? mate. Yeah. <laughs> Who were some of the other blokes that were good players? Um, one of your old mates, Maxie Suckliffe, he could play a bit, couldn't he? He wasn't a bad footballer. No. Bloody, uh, he was a good mark. Yeah. And he, not, he was a big bloke. Not, uh, not dedicated enough. Spent a bit of time, you know, in Geelong. Played 30, 40 league games. In at Geelong, yeah. He played in the ruck there, didn't he? Played a pretty yeah, good career at Geelong. Yeah. So he's a, he's a he's done pretty well for a bloke that started off at Bowen Heads, gone into Geelong. We had Keith Olive. He was a centre half back. He trained with Geelong. There's Leo O'Halloran. He was the full forward oh, yeah. Yeah. for a while, and then he be, gave away footy and become a commentator yes. with Three uh, GL. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. What about yourself? Did you ever get an invite into Geelong? Yeah, I did. But uh, I was a self-opinionated prick. And uh, You told me when I was a little boy that you got an invite into Geelong because Geelong wanted to move Bernie Smith out of the back pocket uh, and go into the centre. And you were going to come in and play in the back pocket. But you didn't. But if you had of, Bernie Smith would have gone in the centre. You would have played in the back pocket. You would have won the Brownlow that year. That's what you told me. I didn't tell you I would have won the Brownlow. I would have been lucky to get a bloody kick. <laughs> no, but that, that was an era when the Geelong Football Club, they won the goal kicking, the Brownlow, Premiership, yeah. yeah. They've won the three of them. Was that 51, 52? 52, yeah. In that era, yeah. 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 The uh, former president of the Bowenheads Football Club was involved in at Geelong at that time. You would have known him fairly well because he was your wife or my mother, his uncle, Jack oh. Jennings. Oh, Jack, yeah. Hungry Jack. Hungry <laughs> Jack. He was president of the, the Heads for a while, then he went into Geelong and he was president there for uh, long time. a bloody long time. And he used to have, he used to put on crayfish on the president's Oh lunch. yeah, but he never paid for the bloody crayfish. Where'd he get them from? He'd get it off his mates, the fishermen from his the heads. Oh, Harry. Yeah. Harry wouldn't realise he'd be pissed. You played the Premiership team in 1957. Do you remember much about the game? Yeah, I didn't get a kick. No, that's probably a good thing if you're playing at fullback. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't at fullback in that day. Well, I was roaming around the middle. Oh, no, I was, I was pretty fortunate to uh, play 
as long or play as many games with the heads. Uh, it was, I can't remember all the good footballers we had, but there were some bloody good footballers down there. I was just a kid off the streets type of thing that used to go down and have kick to kick and how was the club run around training? Did you go to train? Did you did you have training? We had training, but would only be probably half a dozen that could get down there before it was dark. No lights in those no, days. No lights, no. Yeah. So how did you manage training? Like blokes would just go down and have a kick, was it? Not not a set be, be somebody down there. Uh, to organise what you'd done, but it wasn't the same person all the time. Yeah. Uh, it was one of your better footballers, and uh, they used to get you doing the minimum you you had to do, but you wouldn't... Uh, you'd run around the oval uh, as a warm-up at your own pace, Yeah. Uh, which was not real... Uh, Fancy in those days, among a, quite a few of us. Then uh, we got uh, Normie Goddard, senior. He came down and straightened us out a bit and uh, made us look like a team and play like a team. And that was done by more training, Stewie, or was it, yeah? Yeah, more, more, more often. More uh, disciplined training. And it also. You got to know your teammates yeah. uh, a lot better. Because in those days, we were only 18 players. Did you, did you have reserves? Oh, yeah. yeah you had always had reserves, but uh, you'd only have one or two. And they might not get on. That's, yeah. So you played with the, with the 18 that you had unless you had injuries. That's right, yeah. yeah. So in those days, it, it was a bit more cutthroat, wasn't it, the game? What was the spirit of the game like in those days? Was it rough and tough? or? Oh, yeah, yeah, you had to be willing to take whatever come at you. And uh, sometimes you get hurt, sometimes you'd go through a game without a bloody knock. But uh, What about after the game? Did you, you know, did you have a few beers with the opposition or...? Oh, well, we didn't have the facilities no. to, uh, you know, socialise like yeah. that. Um, we played Barwon in at Belmont one year, one season, and uh, after the game, they didn't have any showers. I had a tap outside a shed. And you used to go and wash yourself under the bloody tap. Oh. Was it muddy? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of muddy grounds in those days. Oh, some of them were terrible. Yeah. I, I remember uh, going out to final series out at Leopold and it had been raining and the water was coming down the hill onto the ground. It was a bloody mess. Yeah, that side, yeah. I remember playing as a kid, look, because we only played there till the nineties. We'd sort of played yeah. a few senior games there, but as a kid, be playing there, be cows on that hill, and that hill on opposite Torquay, there used to be cows yeah. on that hill. That's right. And now it's just full of houses. 
talking about Torquay, they were changing their club rooms and they used the old winery down there as a club room. We used to go in there at half time, not that I drank in those days, but uh, they could have a couple of wines or warm themselves up. Yeah. And away you'd go, half pissed. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Did you grow up in Barwon Heads? Yeah, virtually. Yeah. yeah. From from a young boy? Yeah. Whereabouts did you live? In Hitchcock Avenue. Yeah. Uh, up near the shops. Yeah. Uh, just on the hill, in Hitchcock Avenue, in the tree, uh, near the... Uh, Was that Hillside? Hillside, yeah. Number 31 from memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. yeah. You went to Barnheads Primary School? Oh, right, yeah. Barnheads Premiership player that graduated from Barnheads Primary School. Uh, I was pretty lucky. I... Uh, was in the first premiership footy side after the war and I was also in the cricket club premiership after the war. So yeah. I, I had two premierships up in a short period. Oh, yeah, okay. Because you're also a life member at the cricket club. Oh, yeah. As well yeah, as... I, but I, I had a bit of influence in that one. Yeah. Uh, or, or one of the relations... He was tied up with a cricket, or he still is tied up with a cricket club, and he said, oh, we better give you a uh, life membership, Dad. <laughs> That's bullshit. You've been a life member forever. That... You've been a life member, I reckon, since about 1975. Before I, You were a life member before I even started playing, so... No, you were a life member at the footy club. The footy club you spent... You waited a long time for your life membership at the footy club. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I never looked for uh, a life membership. No. But it was an honour to get them. Yes. Uh, just given to you. Yeah. Yeah. And you think to yourself, geez, I could have done more or I didn't yeah. do enough. Or, yeah. After, after footy, you spent a long time helping out at the club particularly on the gate. Oh. How long were you on the gate for? I don't know. Somebody said about 10 years. I reckon it might have been. Yeah, yeah it would have been at least that, I reckon. Yeah. But, uh, and there were stories that went around that blokes told me, and opposition blokes, some of the talkies blokes used to say to me, oh, it's great to go to Barwon Heads, you come in the back gate, you don't have to pay your $8, you can get through if you give the old bloke two cans. Shit, I never got pissed, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you probably put them in the car and took them home and they kept them no, going for the week. No, I never, I, I never got bribed to get in for nothing. In fact, I'd get a bit hairy if they tried to get in for nothing. If a, uh, a big match was on, you had to have an extra couple of uh, gatekeepers or money collectors uh, on because they, they would, they'd come through the tea trees and that, uh, all directions, and you'd be covering the main one, and I'd just walk in through the trees. How, how much, um, what was an average takings on the gate when you were doing it? A couple hundred dollars or? 
I suppose Kenny Kenny Pearson had come up and uh, relieve you of a bit of weight at some stage during the day rather than having a lot of cash on you. But well, yes, you know, a couple of hundred dollars yeah. would be uh, not a bad day. Kenny used to uh, go around and count the cars yeah. and uh, say, so, "Oh, that's twenty cars. Let's say two two a car." That's 80, you should have uh, 80, 70s. And back in the day when you were playing, Stewie, did you get many people coming? I did. We'd get uh, probably uh, uh, a quarter of the oval might have cars parked on the boundary. Yeah. And that was about it. Just people in their cars? Uh, Yeah, and uh, people that knew the players, the players' relations and friends. Where'd the umpires come from? They used to ship them down come, from Geelong? Come, come from Geelong, yeah. Yeah. Cost you four bob for a game. So yeah, the players paid for it, did they? Yeah, you yeah. paid two bob to, for the game and two bob for the umpire. Two, two bob for insurance and two bob for the umpire. Wow. Two bob for the raffle at the end of the day to win a couple of bottles of beer. Oh, yeah. Not everybody used to go in that day. Yeah. But, uh, it's pretty big now. Like the 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 battle. Remember that battle of the bridge we played on Easter Sunday. I reckon yeah, it was I do when Maxi Sheller kicked a couple of goals at the end of the game and we pinched it. That was the biggest crowd I'd ever played in, except for finals. The, the battle of the bridge is a, a good draw card. Yeah. And even though we don't want to lose to Ocean Grove, the players are still got friends at Ocean Grove and. All that and they're playing against one another. That's uh, and they're fair income. They they get out there and they they're trying their hardest. Not always to good quality or that, but uh, they're out. Both sides are out to uh, just prove that they're a better team, which yeah. wasn't always the way. It was always great fun, even in the days when we were no good. And I used to we used to look forward to playing against Ocean Grove because. You were pitting, pitting yourselves against blokes you knew well. Well, that's you right. Always. And it didn't matter where either side was on the ladder. It was generally a tight, hard-fought game. The town in those days, what was the town like? When you grew up in it, What, like you growing up in town through the through the war? Was, 40s? Uh, just after. Mm. Uh, well, we had... Two grocers and a... There's a couple of bakeries, wasn't there? Hey. Bakeries? Was there a couple of bakeries? No, in there was one bakery. The bakery was on the corner of Hitchcock Avenue and uh, Bridge Road, uh, Kelly's Bakery. The pub would have been a popular place. Oh, Dick Solomon used to have it. He was, a, he was getting on to... Uh, Quite a few years, but he was an old man to us youngsters. And in that time, uh, there wasn't much alcohol consumed by the younger generation. Uh, it was something you didn't think of a lot. Of. Uh, you didn't say, oh, I'll meet you down the pub with that. Oh, I've gone down the milk bar. I'll meet you down at... Uh, the Arungal, and the push bikes were everywhere. 
not so many cars or push bikes. Yeah, well, that's right. The car, you'd probably be a millionaire to have a car in those days. They would have been all parked up there, all out the front of the golf club, wouldn't they? Uh, there wasn't a lot of cars around. I remember I was walking to school one day and this car pulled up to give me a ride to school and it was a a, uh, uh, a Ford late, last late model because it's a fellow French, I can't think of his first name. He was manager of Fords and he lived at Bowen Heads and he used to go in and uh, he just pulled up and said, you got a fair walk ahead of your lad? And uh, I said, oh, I'm used to it. He said, I'll jump in and I'll give you a ride. And here I am sitting up in a bloody... The, the thing wouldn't be six months old yeah. at all. What did your mate say when you pulled up at the front at school? And no, they didn't, I don't think they saw me. Because oh. he was there first, because he got a lift instead of walking. Oh, and the, no made roads? Wouldn't have been any made roads in those days? Uh-huh. If the roads were bitumenized, they were only for a couple of cars on the edges. Mm. You you back into the gravel, and uh, between the between the bitumen and the gutter, you could fit another car. But they used to just bitumenize just the middle. The, the middle, yeah. Yeah, I remember Ozone Road being like that when we were kids. Ozone Road just had a strip down the middle yeah. and. The yellow gravel down the sides. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would council has done the road up and have that yellow gravel and it's bloody rain and you transfer it somewhere else. Oh, go, go all through your house and yeah, on everything, didn't it? Get in your shoes and you you couldn't creep in or you couldn't sneak in. You'd have footmarks everywhere. Once the Bowenhead CFA Fire Station, Beach House showcases some of the Ballerine Peninsula's fine products, wine, cider and beer. Beach House serves a modern Australian cuisine for breakfast, lunch and dinner, and all times in between. Whether it be a casual drink with friends on the deck, enjoying the sunshine or celebrating that special occasion, Beach House's friendly staff are happy to accommodate. During the... Uh 1970s when the footy club was very strong won a few premierships did you get down and watch them often then oh probably because we didn't have anything else to do yeah yeah it would have been exciting to watch those blokes and i don't know was whether there was any any of your mate's sons playing or any blokes that you may have played with still playing I know, I remember you telling me you played a bit of cricket with Brian Marshman. Did you ever play footy with him? Yeah. Played in a uh, finals with him. And he came off. And it looked as though he'd spent probably uh, a half a dozen rounds with, uh, I think it was Tyson, the heavyweight. Yeah. And yeah. he had bruises and his face was cut and everything. Oh. But he was still laughing, smiling. Yeah. He was a pretty tough footballer. Oh, he, he was. He was a, 
He's a well, he's another fellow that played, uh, trained at Geelong. Yeah, yeah. He coached one of the premiership teams, I think, from memory. Captain coached Marshy. I think he might have coached the yeah. third one. Um, and a local bloke, obviously. Famous famous sporting family around Barn Heads, the Marshmans. It would have been good to see him go on. Oh, who, Marshy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, he was a bit lightly built. Uh, and he, not that he was easy knocked around, he was easy, he was hard to stop, but he couldn't retaliate a hell of a lot. He, uh, if he retaliated, he would, he'd bounce off the uh, more, better trained uh, footballers. Uh, he's, he was a natural sportsman. Any sport he took up, you know, loved his cricket and he loved his footy. There were some good players running around then for Valenheads. Um, what about what about the around the nineteen nineties uh, when we had a little bit of success? We won the seniors and the reserve premierships. I imagine you would have watched a few of those games then. Well, I hope you did. But uh, any any memories of that era? No, not really. Well. I see that I'd run out of uh, playing ability. I used to go and watch a game occasionally, but I wasn't as enthusiastic as when I was younger. Yeah. It's hard for a few years when you stop, isn't it? Like, oh. well, I couldn't even go to the footy when I stopped. Couldn't you? No. You, mentally, you become a bit tired, don't you? Oh, I would have I would have played and I'd still be playing now, but your just body just won't take you to the no. footy anymore. That's right. So what was it that stopped you playing, Stewie? What, when you come to the end of... End of your time as a footballer? The selectors. Was it? Did They just didn't pick you? No. Uh, I think it's just time to give it away and you just uh, can't be bothered. That was it. Yeah, as you say, Ted, your, your body and your mind gets tired. And, uh, it just happens. You think, uh, bugger, I can't be bothered. And around about when, when was that, Stewie? How old were you? Mid-twenties, I'd say. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you played 10 or ten or 12 years of senior footy, did you? Oh, yeah, good 10. I think I played roughly 170-odd games. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, in those days, with not, not, big, not big long seasons. That... Oh, no, we'd 14 or 15 games in a season. Yeah. Was about it. Plus a few finals if you manage to yeah. sneak into them. And it, and and in those days, top fours. Oh yeah, you get well. I don't know. You get tired of the unknown pressure that you're wearing. Did you stay involved once you once you stopped, sort of immediately, or did you sort of move, or what? Because I know you came back to it a bit later on, but did you stay involved then? Sort of in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Home game, Harry. Just go to the home games. Yeah. <laughs> go down. Any, you know, and if if they're not if they're not going any good, we don't even go to those. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a cold day. I'm too bloody wet. Too yeah, cold. Too wet and cold. Yeah. It's a good place to stay at home. Listen to the races on the uh, yeah, yeah. on the radio and have a couple of long necks. I've had a lot of. I, I had a lot of fun. When I was playing footy. So you got to watch your boys play? 
There's a bit of pleasure in that, that they both played for you, for the team you played for. Russell's brother, he unfortunately got mixed up in a uh, training mishap. They, the coach at the time put an experienced player against a junior player and the experienced player has hit David and, and uh, he was pretty crook. But I remember when David got hurt. Trish used to come around and cut our hair and she was telling mum about how David was in was crook and that he he had all this bruising around his heart and he didn't play for a pretty for a pretty long time and then he did come back and play after that and he was a very good player, David. One of the uh, veterans of the club, Ken Garrett, he was watching David one day and he said he Hasn't seen anybody tackle as hard as what David did. And uh, I thought, well, he's not frightened to go in. There's nothing you can do about it, not over an injury like that. What about um, you occasionally get out to watch your grandchildren who play footy now? Unfortunately, they don't play in the blues of Bowen Heads, but they do play in your other favourite colours, the red and the black. Well, that's there, yeah, but they're not true Bowen heads. No, I'm saying they're that. But they're new town. Yeah, but you don't mind the red and black, do you? You're pretty fond of uh, Essendon oh, Footy Club. Oh, not after last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for the listeners who are listening a bit later on, the uh, the Bombers got done by the bottom side last night, who happened to be Sydney, who they're a pretty talented bottom side. Yeah. You get a bit of enjoyment out of watching your, your grandchildren play footy? What am I supposed to say, yes or no? Oh, I don't know. Well, of course you If you say no, I won't pick you up and take you down there anymore. But um, Well, uh, I'll say, oh, it's great. Oh, I never, never enjoyed footy so much. Yeah. But it's a dry, dry argument at times. Well, it is at the moment. Yeah, like, I've still got... Uh, That's because you're talking too much. <laughs> Thanks, Stewie, very much for chatting with us because this is good. Well, it's easy to, to sit in there and yeah. you'd forget all about those things. Yeah, that's right. That's the idea of it. Is that we just have a talk and we just talk, we're just chewing the fat about the old days because I hear Nipper tells stories about Stewie telling stories about things that you did. It's nice to hear you tell them. <laughs> I remember one time the uh, umpire's done something. And I've abused shit out of him. One he got one in me first season or something like that. And he come up and he's gonna report me. And uh, Ken Garrett comes in and chats the umpire and said, Don't worry about him, he's only a learner, he's this is his first bloody game. And uh, he got me away he got me out of it. But oh I was uh, very, well, I'd say, very self-opinionated of my views uh, when I was younger and playing football. Yeah, you I touched, was never wrong. Yeah, you touched on that before. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what sort of a bloke were you? What sort of a young fellow were you? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah? What What makes you say that? It's good when you get older and you th- look back at yourself and think, oh, God, I can't believe I said those things. I don't know. I just... Times you're on top of the world, other times you couldn't give a continental. Uh, 
Were you a bit wild and treacherous, were you, as a youth? Well, I wasn't treacherous, but I was pretty bad-tempered. I uh, come from Queensland down to, oh, Bowen Hills, Geelong. And in Queensland, we always wore a hat. And I'm in Coles in Geelong one day, and a fellow is rubbishing shit out of me for wearing a hat. Uh, took my hat off and I said to the last behind the counter, I said, I'll just keep your eye on that for a minute, will you please? And next thing I go, whack, and hit a fella fair in a bloody mouth <laughs> with a fire fist and uh, that didn't go over well. Another time I was in Mooraville Street and got a bit argumentative and I had a street fight and I've lucky enough to hit this fella and I hit him and he, he hit a lamppost <laughs> and oh, some of the th- things you do and you know do it to, today you'd be up for assault or yeah. something yeah. yeah but then the la- lass got hold of you did she sorted you out oh yeah I think so I was always always Keen on Dawn from actually when I first saw her. Yeah. yeah. How old were you when you met Dawny? About 16. Yeah. yeah. So when, when did you first come to Bowen Heads? When? From Queensland. Uh, uh, uh. Just after the war. Yeah. We uh, arrived here. Yeah. Bowen Heads. I can't really remember much back that far. Uh MacArthur was in charge of the Allied forces and he said to whoever was, in, I think it was Blamey, in charge of the uh, Australian forces and he said, any, any, any kids under 16 uh, will evacuate them and will give Japan uh, all the land above the Brisbane line. Brisbane line, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so the, that's, the that's, Brisbane line went from Brisbane to Adelaide. I don't. We were happy to give them all everything between Brisbane and Adelaide. Uh, yeah. I never realised uh, where it was. No. And, so that's what got you down here. That's what it? brought us down here. Yeah. yeah. We were evacuated and come down and. And you were were you up in Rockhampton then? Is that right? You had a lot of relatives in Rockhampton. Oh. I think you told me. I, yeah. I don't know whether I was... I don't think I was in Rockhampton at the start of the war. No, I think I was in Texas. In Texas? In Queensland. Yeah. Actually. The town of Texas. Is that where you were born? No, Rockhampton. Rockhampton you were born. Yeah. Jeez, a long, long way from Rockhampton to growing up in... Living in Bowen Edge your whole life, isn't it? And climate-wise, too. Climate-wise, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I still can't take the cold. Really? Yeah, no. Well, you've done well to stick it out as long as you did. Yeah. <laughs> when did you leave school? How old were you when you left school? Oh, I'd reached the peak of my greatness, which was uh, 14. Yeah. 
and that's when I left school. Yeah. Teacher couldn't teach me anything more. Yeah. Is that yeah. when you were allowed to leave school, like when you turned 14? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you left as soon as you were allowed to. Bloody, I'd left about the day I was 14 or the day after. And what did you do the next day? I can't say I got pissed because I wasn't drinking. You yeah. got a job though, didn't you? Yeah. It was the delivery of the bread at Bowen Heads for a while. Yeah. You did that for a while. Then you... um. You somewhat came into a sporting profession, didn't you? Oh, I spent a bit of time with Bud. Up at the golf club with up Bud Russell? Club with Bud Russell, yeah. What were you up there? Apprentice Pro. Oh. Not that uh, in those days you wouldn't you wouldn't have made any money. You had to win yeah. every tournament to finish up in front. By the time you paid for your travelling and you'd almost have to stay overnight uh, every tournament you went to uh, because you started early the next day uh, you know you, with your uh, accommodation and your travelling uh, you'd, you'd have to win a couple of decent size and they were only Oh, hundred pound was a major one in those days. So you're obviously pretty good golfer. Oh, not really, because the ball never went where I wanted to. But I mean, to get to to get to that level and to be thought of in that regard, you must have been able to oh. hit the ball pretty well. My brother David used to say that you could hit it pretty well, straight down the middle. It is part of your genes, although I don't know enough about them, uh, that hand and eye coordination go a long way in sport. Yeah, especially in golf, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have to come together at the right time to make that little pill go where yeah. you want it to, doesn't the it? Bloody thing's not, not moving. No, it's you, not moving. You, you go and play cricket and they can be moving the ball and you can you get behind it and all that, but that little white thing sits there and says, "What are you going to do with me?" <laughs> so that's a pretty Bud's a pretty rich vein of Bowenhead's history, and you spent a bit of time. How long did you spend with Bud? Probably about uh, four or five years. Yeah, so you you went right through. Did you make? Did you learn to make golf clubs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learnt to assemble them. To assemble them. Yeah. We used to weigh the head of the golf club, which, you know, was steel, and you'd weigh them. And uh, I'm not too sure whether it was a half an ounce or two ounces difference in the weight of the heads from the, the one to the eight. Yeah. Yeah. So they got lighter as they got. The, the 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 one was the lightest because yeah. there was less heading. See, yeah. when you get down to the, well, you're on this, the the irons, the the pitch of the uh, wedge and things like that, and they, the wedges had thick holes on them. Yeah. But uh, we used to just get them and we'd uh, belt 
pelt the shaft into the socket of the head. Yep. And then drill a hole, put a rivet through it. You'd polish that rivet up so it, it was uh, copper. Yeah. And uh, it looked, used to look really good. Yeah. Because yeah. Bud was, uh, um, I was reading something recently that said Bud Russell was the only Australian golf pro who made his own clubs, which I've got. I've got a, a Bud Russell sand iron at home. Have you? Yeah. You, still, you see them every now and then in places? Dad, it's not a George Nickel or anything like that. No, no, it says Bud Russell. Bud Russell, yeah. yeah. He used to uh, get me, he'd stamp his name across the top of the wood. Yeah. And he used to bloody do that a spot on. Yeah. Just, he'd just get it, line it up and hit it with a uh, hammer. It had Bud Russell written on it. Then he'd uh, varnish it. Well, you'd sand it all out. It was only a block of yeah. per- persimmon. And uh, then he'd, he'd get a, a rasp and take all the rough parts off. And then get a, a fine fall off till he had in the shape, sandpaper it with a machine. And uh, it used to come up really good. Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't, I don't think I've ever seen a Bud Russell wood or I haven't seen one for a long time. Yeah. But I've seen a few irons around. Every now and then you see it, you'll see them in a bin somewhere. They're a bit historic. That, well, that's right, yeah. He was, a, he was a, he's a funny old character, Bud, wasn't he? You must have known him as a younger man. I only ever got to know him as an old man. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how I even copped the bloody job. I don't, don't know whether I asked him or he uh, just said, oh, come and work for me. I've got a bloody clue. But he was, I was caught in Dawn. When, when I left him, I was caught in Dawn and uh, ten, ten pound a week I was getting, which wasn't bad money. But it didn't go far in those days either, which is no different to today. So when you left him, what did you go and do? I went from making golf clubs and that to selling TVs. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, When TV first came out, I was selling TVs. People were buying them. I wasn't selling them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did you get commission for it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Terrific. Got a retainer and commission. Yeah. Where was that at? MGE. They, that was an electrical store in, uh, I think it was really in Rory Street in, Ge- in Geelong. In Geelong. Yeah. And the... Um, chap that was uh, in charge of it uh, was an expo and his fella, he, uh, Jeff Walker. They had the bakery down here, the Walker and I can't think of his, his partner's name, but they they had the bakery. Yeah. Uh, and he went into selling tallies when they came out. Yeah. Just tallies? Nothing yeah, else? 
Nah, mainly tellies. Occasionally you might sell a fridge. But... Yeah. Wow. And how long did you do that for? Three or four years. Yeah. And yeah. I, I got a hernia out of it. Yeah. And I, big heavy buggers, weren't they? Oh, well, I used to deliver them by myself. Yeah. And I had a two-wheel trolley. Mm. And I was going up steps or stairs one time. And uh, I felt a bit of a pain in the groin. Didn't take any notice. And uh, I was at the doctor's the other day. And uh, the nurse said to me, how's that hernia you was going? And I said, I don't know. And, uh, she said, oh, I don't know whether it's getting larger or not. So uh, that's the first time I knew that I had a hernia. Oh, right, eh? Did you get it fixed? Ah. I've had it for 60 years. Oh, okay. So you never knew. <laughs> is that a Bud Russell, is it? There we go. Yep. Bud Russell 3-iron. Bud, Bud Russell 3-iron. So did he, did he just used to get that and stamp that on there, did he? He used to buy them. With his name on them. Oh, okay. And then put shafts in them. We'd put the shafts in. And they, is that, can you see the rivet in that or not? Where would the rivet be? That's oh, in yeah. the... Yeah. That's it, yeah. Nip has gone to his room and brought in a, a three-iron. God knows what he does with it because he doesn't play golf. Um, got a lot of dirt on it. It's got a bit of dirt Maybe on I have... It. And it's, uh, it appears to have a cane shaft. They used to do that, Ted, uh, bring out a shaft, the same as, uh, looks similar to a, uh, a, a wooden shaft. Yeah. And it was the era when people were changing from wood to steel and they'd come up with a steel shaft looking like wood. Yeah. So there's a fair chance you actually made that club. Oh, yeah. Or put the head in it anyway. And from tell from selling tellies, where'd you go after that? Bloody berserk. <laughs> when did you start working for Creasy? Oh yeah, that's right. I worked in a, a survey with Frank Creasy. Yeah. For a long time. Long time. Yeah. Matter of fact. Uh, I was working there for a long time and some of the customers thought Frank and all were brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, the service station in the Gordon Avenue one? Right yeah, on bar, bar one. No, bar one. Oh. The Grandies. Frank owned that and the one across the road. Yeah. Almost across the road from the Grandies. Yeah. Creasy owned both of those. Oh, yeah, Creasy yeah, yeah. worked at the other one. And Dad was at Bar One. I remember Bar One, that's right. Bar One was, yeah, where DeGrandy's is now. He had um, E.K. Holden, Navy Blue uh, panel van, and it was had yellow writing on it, Bar One service station. Yep. 
Very nice. He had it, he had it forever. Oh, it's pulled up two or three times by the coppers. Yeah. Never for breathalyse, I was as drunk as a monkey. Never, never uh, breathalyzed. And they were either too busy or too far out of town. And, and I always put it down to having bar one written on it. Because we used to do some uh, roadworthy tests for the boys in blue. Mm. And uh, I think we might have done them a few favours. So they looked after you? Yeah. I remember that, I remember that EK. Yeah. The bar one. Yeah, probably you driving it around in uh, bar one heads. It was driving me. Was, <laughs> was it yellow? Had no, yellow, no. yellow names. Yeah. Yellow uh, uh, yeah, signs on it. I reckon you've run out of stories now, Stewie. Just as well. Remember when you when you first played cricket at Bowen Heads? It would have been up on the top ground, top oval. Yeah. Is that right? Well, no, no, it was down on the footy ground. Did you play cricket up on the top oval? We the did play ground? cricket on yeah. the top oval. Yeah. yeah. Why did they move off that? Oh, it's the uh, Parks Trust. People in charge of the park uh, give us a flick from the top oval. Um, That's a familiar story. Yeah, isn't it? It is. Not a lot's changed around that. <laughs> they still aren't always as as accommodating to the football club as they, but as they could be. No. I'll put that one that myth to rest because you told me that they moved because. Everybody got sick of running down onto the beach to collect the ball after you hit it over the sand dune. Oh, I don't know. I didn't. It's funny. I, I was hitting them in the water that upset them. So was that like just straight back over the keeper's head, head top edge? Or? If you can sneak one past the keeper or over the top edge, that's it. But... If, if you're hitting one off the centre, I'm bragging. That was one of the first positions when I was uh, playing cricket uh, as a young fella. Used to always put somebody behind the keeper. Yeah. Because we didn't have a real good keeper and the ball would sneak over the head and go. And, and you ended up, did you keep? You, you played as a wicket keeper? I was lucky enough to. to play in the um, grand final of the footy after, I don't know whether I've told you, after the war, the footy grand final. Yeah. Win a premiership and then the first cricket premiership after the war. Yes. I played in that one. So I was, I was lucky that I had two premierships up in... Yeah. Uh, that nobody else can ever gain. That's right. That's right. Yeah, those ones after the war. There's been a couple there's of played in footy and cricket premierships, but not the first ones. Actually, there would there be that many? That have played in both of them? Yeah. The first premiership? No, not the first premiership, but just a premiership. In first grade? In first grade cricket and footy. I can only think of one. Ah, oh, there'd be a few footballs from the 70s, would have wouldn't 
played in in A grade premierships. Yeah. You know what I would have. Yeah. Dunny play in a premiership. Uh, in the in a footy, footy premiership. Yeah. yeah, I think he yeah. might have played in one of those. One of those three. Jack Evans would Jack have. Jack Evans would Marshy have. would have. What are, yeah, what, Marshy what, prob- what would probably have. did, yeah. But not the first. What about... Um, was there many other blokes played in that cricket first cricket premiership team and footy premiership team? Oh, yeah, it would have involved, say, uh, probably about 30-odd players. Played in the first cricket premiership. No wonder you won it. Oh, you had you had ten or eleven playing in the cricket and twenty in the footy. Yeah, but but only you would be in both. I I think so, Ted. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair enough. But, uh, once again, it, uh, I don't think it was form. I think it was availability. <laughs> uh, you, don't sell yourself short, Stewie. There's, there's, I, I say to this to my kids because I'm, a, I'm in the similar boat to you. There's six million, six billion people in the world. And there's only three who are life members of both the Bowen Heads Football Club and the Bowen Heads Cricket Club. And you're one of them, and I'm another one, and Bobby Wallace's mum Helen is, is the third one. And Normie Goddard's the other one, who's sadly passed. So there's only four people who've ever achieved it. But I haven't played in the first cricket premiership and the first football premiership, which I think is pretty special. Oh, just, just bloody luck, kid. Just luck. Just yeah, being we... at the, there at the right time. and the, yeah. Life's about that, Stewie. We, we, what we're trying to do show how the footy club is part of the fabric of the town. Oh, yeah. And that the people of the town make the footy club. And right. some of, and sometimes the footy club makes the people of the town. And that's that's the important thing. It does it. too. That's Isn't right. It, you've had a, a great relationship with the football club and the cricket club and the golf club, which is also a great part of our... Of our te- not that many of us ever got to be part of it. But it is certainly a famous thing in our town, isn't it? Oh, I'm too right, yeah. It, uh, talking about the golf club and cricket, uh, I can't remember where it was, but I met Keith Miller. And I said, I come from Bowen Heads, and he could talk to me about the golf club, and uh, he knew Bowen Heads... Oh, not not as well as I do, but he knew of Bowen Heads, and that was one of the one of the thrills of my life was talking to Keith Miller and uh, and keeping socialising with him on the uh, local content content. I spoke to him once, Keith Miller, when I was working at the Emerald Hotel. He rang up. It was Bill Jacobs' birthday, and I answered the phone. And said, "Hello, Emerald Hotel, Russell speaking." Hello, Russell. It's Keith Miller here. Um, I believe Bill Jacobs is having his birthday party at the hotel. And I said, that's correct. Would you like me to go and get him for you? And he said, no, no, that's all right. Just send him a message. And I said, I'm, I'm more than happy 
to go and get him. And he said, no, no, I don't want to interrupt him during lunch. Just pass on a message that Nugget can't make it, but he'd like to wish you all the best for the day. And I said, no problems, I can pass that on certainly, Mr Miller. And he said, Russell, you don't need to call me Mr Miller, you can just call me Nugget. (laughs) And I said, thank you, Nugget. And I said, I'm too young to have seen you play cricket, but I've heard my father speak of you, and I've read a lot about you, and I wish I could have just seen you play because you sounded like a phenomenal cricketer. And he said, thank you very much. It sounds like you like your cricket. And that was a conversation I had with Nugget. I should have said, and you know my old man Stewie from Bowen Heads. <laughs> <laughs> Stewie, I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up there. We've done an hour and a half. Of, spent an hour and a half talking to you. One beer. And, and you've one only beer. had one beer. And I've had half a bloody stubby. We don't want to rush you on that. It's been a fantastic pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. I know it's precious to you at the moment. It is very precious. It is, must be precious because you don't spend any of it drinking your beer. You're right. <laughs> You're not wasting any of it on beer. But, and I haven't spilled any. You haven't spilled any yet. <laughs> no, that's what I like. Yes, he said. We'll get round to it. So thank you very much, Stewie, for your time. We really appreciate it. We'll cut that up and make it sound something impressive. And I promise we'll only make your son and myself sound like dills out of it. <laughs> uh, no, when you're sitting back like this, buried ahead, it's easy to let yourself out. Let yourself, if you're sitting there like you're a schoolboy, your brain just won't, doesn't work in cohesion. It uh, stops and starts. Whereas you start something here, there you go. she goes. That's right. That's what... That's the whole idea of it. It's a conversation, not an interview. We don't want to have interviews with people. We just want to have a talk with them and see what they remember. And we'll lead people where we need them to go, but they'll lead us where they need to take us to. And you've done a fantastic job of that, Stewie. You've been really good. I hope you sleep well tonight. I'll probably snore and wake up me pretty uh, neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thanks again, Stewie. Thanks very much. No, Teddy, it's it's been a real honour for you to have the interest of Bowen Heads at heart. And a little bit that I can help, I hope it does help you. Thanks, mate. Terrific. Fantastic. Cheerio. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And time is called and we must piss off. It was a wonderful trip down memory lane we really appreciate Stewie for the time that he gave us. I hope you enjoyed the stories and I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Tree on the Wing. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. The world will always welcome